I think what's hard for someone like me is to start to understand the, 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 how to approach it. Like, like, how do I approach my kids? How do I approach uh, parenting? How do I approach myself? How do I approach my marriage or people that I interact with, with the concept of like mental health is a real thing. Like it's a, and you obviously you would agree with that. So um, is that, is that what kind of led um, to, to the, to, did the pandemic lead to kind of a, a more acute awareness of how to start moving forward with a ministry or did that, is that what led to the book, you know, that I've read a couple of times because it's all wrinkled up, you know, um, it, it, is, is that what led to that or what's kind of led to this new, not new season or new ministry, but kind of where do you go from here? Right. It was like, it was always part of what you were doing at Cross Timbers and what, um, was part of your heartbeat, but now that you're not in the lead role, what has led to the next step? Well, it's kind of evolved, right? Uh, like everything else, again, Henry Blackaby, let's don't, you know, God don't bless what I'm doing. Show me what you're blessing. I'll move in that direction. And right before the pandemic hit, the, that January of 2020 was our, you know, church's 20 year birthday. And I, we released a book I wrote for adults called Not Yet. And it was just my story. It had, you know, someone asked me how long did it take you to write that? And I said about 20 years, you know, uh, cause I didn't want to write this story because you have to kind of open the box and walk through the pain again. And, but I wrote it. And, uh, the last chapter that I struggled with was, a, was like, how do you close this book? And I kind of psyched myself out about, you know, this has got to be good. And the first time you tell yourself something's got to be good, it's not. And I kept coming back to the story of the salmon fish, you know, and swimming Pacific Northwest and swimming up and spawning and dying. And I literally Googled one day, like, what's, what's another animal like a salmon fish? And I found out about a fish called a goby that's found only in Hawaii. And the unique part of the goby fish is that it starts its life in the saltwater. And when the tide gets right, halfway through its maturation process, it starts swimming up these mountain streams to spend the second half of its life in the freshwater in the pools in the top of this mountain in Hawaii. And what stopped me in my tracks when I was reading it was that it said, as the fish starts climbing the waterfalls, his bottom jaw begins to grow so that he can suck onto those rocks better to make the steepest climb to the top. And always said that, you know, when the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God, that's much more than, well, the sky, God is big because look at this big sky. It is creation shows you how the kingdom works. And I literally had this goosebump moment reading that thinking that's my story, that my transformation has come in the struggle, not in spite of the struggle. And in fact, that it's Paul, it's just another way of saying what Paul was saying about his thorn in the flesh. And so I wrote the last chapter about this little goby fish and I couldn't figure out how to finish again, end of January, 2020. I've got to finish the series that I'm doing as we release the book at our church. And I just got some storyboards, went on to YouTube and Googled how to draw a cartoon fish. And I took lessons on a piece of paper for six straight hours, just drawing this fish, <laughs> called my creative director and said, okay, we're going to tell the story of the little goby fish. And she said, you don't know how to draw. I said, I'm an expert. I've done it for six hours. And uh, so we put these big easel boards and I told this story of Toby the Gobi named him Toby simply because he was, you know, rhymed with Gobi and 
the people loved it, but then the pandemic hit. So, you know, the, the plan had been that we were asking God to open doors with not yet this book for adults. And we, during the pandemic, we finished the kids book that you have wrinkled up that I need to send you a new copy of. And what we saw happening again was around the world, mental wellness for children. I like to use this term just to kind of keep, keep everybody on the same page, kids being overwhelmed with life, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, but just being overwhelmed with the uncertainty of the life that they've been living. They're at all time highs. And so I was already planning this transition out of my role as lead pastor for years. I had said I had turned down opportunities uh, to take kind of the message of cross timbers to lots of different places. Cause I just was a local church pastor and I, I could, I didn't want to be the guy on the road. So I no, I'm a local church guy. I'm going to stay here. And what I saw happening was opportunities now to, to take the message that I've been preaching for, you know, 22 and a half years. And just to take it in the same way, Cody, you heard it in those early days, honestly, just to take it into churches and community groups and schools around the country and and through the story of a little you know a little fish named toby who the message really is you can do hard things because god is with you (laughs) (laughs) but you got to keep your eyes on the sun and you can help others along the way which as you know has been the message of cross timbers man not that you're not going to have hard things but god is with you even in the hard things but you can't look at the you can't spend so much time looking at the challenge that you forget to look up and see that God is with you. And the best way for you to grow is to help somebody along the way. And doors just started opening, quite honestly. I I, I didn't open them. Uh, just, I can only call it God, the doors that are beginning to open for us literally around the country with this ministry that we call, you know, Gobi Ministries. We're about to launch the book in about a month in Spanish. Oh, awesome. And we'll launch it in South America, and then we're going to launch it in Hindi. And uh, I did uh, a two-hour webinar with 150 church leaders and pastors in Mumbai, India, and they they are they they are asking us, please, to get this book in Hindi. And so, what we're seeing is is that parents do not have tools to help their children. Uh, that you know, if you go to Amazon. And you put in anxiety tools for kids, you're going to get fidget spinners and Play-Doh and weighted blankets, which I'm okay with. But those things, they're, you know, they're not the answer. They're something to help in a difficult time. The answer is to connect the power of Jesus and what he wants to do in a kid's life. And the number one indicator of a child's mental wellness is the mental wellness of their parents. Well, and a that lot was, of times parents aren't open to it, right? But yeah. they are open to a tool for their kids. So I have an ultimate goal of helping kids and through that avenue, being able to help parents. And I want to change the conversation about mental wellness. That, that's what I'm trying to do. Well, and that's in my last podcast, we were talk, talking to a friend about, about parents and we talked about you did. I mean, you and I both, you more than me, but sat with families that would come in and talk about, hey, help me with my kids or help us with our family. And part of my prerequisite before we would even start the conversation is, okay, that's fine. But you need to realize that 10% is going to be your need, your kid needs to change and 90% is going to be you. And if you can't stomach that, we don't even need to keep going. 
you know? Right. And so I completely, I completely agree with you on that. And, and, and also I think this goes back to cross timbers and not to bring everything back to cross timbers, but it was kind of a, um, I think it was important to say this is that, and you're seeing it now that we, I formulated this thought a few years ago, again, probably off of something that I observed or heard or whatever, but it was that um, we, we, we join people in times of happiness, but we connect with people in times of darkness. And so it actually came from this, I was at a Ranger game and this lady was a Pirates fan and she was sitting behind me. And every time the Pirates would score, she would just like freak out and go nuts. And she was there with her husband and her college age, um, her college age son. And so of course there is when the Rangers were bad, we lost like seven to four or something, but every time they would score, she would just freak out. It was hilarious. And so I started recording her on my phone. Um, and so I, it hit me that this lady, I don't know her name. I don't know where she's from. I know nothing about her except she freaks out at, at, for the pirates is now on my Instagram. She's on my social media. Right. And we're laughing and we're high five, even though we're on different teams, but I don't know that lady, but it's in the times where I'm holding a parent or student's hands and we're crying together. That's where I get to know someone. And so I think this idea of like taking down a lot of the barriers, even the, the mental wellness barriers, that it's a, it's a barrier we can't really talk about. Man, we got to get that down and we got to connect with people because you and I know that isolation is the worst, uh, the best tool of the enemy to get us to not talk yeah. about it, to hide from it, to not engage in it. And so you said, one of the rest of the questions I wrote, you were talking is, as a parent or as a grandparent, I'd like an answer to both. If it's the same answer, that's cool. Cause you're both now. What, what is an indicator? And you said that the, um, for your kids' mental health, you said the parent, can you elaborate on that? Or would you change your change? As I say, what do I look for as an indicator as a parent or a grandparent? Yeah, that, that's great. And, you know, shameless plug here, Bailey, my daughter and I have a little podcast called, Hey dad, can you talk? And I love it. It's, just I, a, it's awesome, by the way. It's it, it just 20 minutes, right? It's yeah. 20 minutes of, and it's comp, just us having off the cuff conversations about these issues. And a couple of them, we've talked about these issues with her six-year-old. And, you know, as a parent, especially of a younger child, what you look for is uh, you, you look for a child going, you know, habitually, not wanting to go to school, not because they don't like school, but because they're scared of what might happen at school. You, a lot of, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? Gideon, my oldest grandson, he, he has, uh, like, he doesn't want to go into a room where the light is not on, even at my house next door to his house. And he, you know, and so we had this long conversation about how his mind goes to worst case scenario, you know, in his language. And so you look for loss of appetite, you look for uh, open-ended fear, kind of worst case scenarios. You look for a kid, and I know this is hard, especially if you have a teenager, but you look for a, a sense of listlessness in your child. People go, well, my kid's 16, he didn't want to get off the couch. Yeah, and I'm talking about just doesn't want to engage in life for whatever reason. And when you begin to see these kind of indicators, uh, this is a good time for conversations to begin with your child simply about, I always use the framework of you can do hard things. You know, parents will say, oh, don't be scared. Well, the dumbest thing to tell a kid who's scared is not to be scared. 
you got to give them reason to not be scared. Okay, so what are you scared of, Gideon? I'm scared that there might be a monster in that room. Well, do you think Jesus is in that room? Do you think Jesus? Yeah, he goes everywhere with me, Papa. Would you, if Jesus is in your heart, do you think he's bigger than a monster? Yes, he is. And so, you know, you begin to replace. I think we have a tremendous opportunity right now with teenagers, with young kids. Like life has been so uncertain and they've caught so much of our uncertainty because we've been with them, you know, sheltering in place for almost a year that that we have a chance to, to, to help our kids understand that Jesus is not someone we meet on Sunday in Sunday school. He's real. And so when we begin to open our eyes to the fact that our children are overwhelmed with life, as opposed to, well, what are signs of anxiety? What are signs of depression? Well, just are they seeming overwhelmed with life at some level? Then this gives us an opportunity to begin to talk to them about the role Jesus plays in the middle of those situations. One of the greatest tools, and you, I'm sure you saw it in the back of Toby the Gobi, but one of the greatest tools for me for the, of the past 20 years has been these the 40 I Ams. And right. it's these 40 statements about, you know, who God says that I am. And I, I still have my original cards from all of those years ago over there in my, in my backpack. And when I'm struggling, I will take those cards and I will say those things out loud. Well, we rewrote those for kids in kids language. So I'm encouraging parents, Hey, take one of these 40 I am's I can do everything when God gives, because God gives me the power. Okay. So now that a little kid colors a picture of, you know, a strong person and we ride it underneath. And every day we remember to say that as opposed to, you know, don't be scared as opposed to conventional wisdom. We begin to give them tools that, to, that use God's truth, power and spirit to help them overcome. And I, and they find places of health again, not the absence of anything, but they invite Jesus into the middle of their problem and they find a strength that they never thought they could have. And you say, you know, these conversations about, well, that's just the buzzword of the day. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, that there are going to be adults, kids uh, of all ages who are going to use, you know, deal the mental health card, I always say. Of course, they're going to do that. But see, my thing is, for me, winning, like I've changed the target. For me, winning is not not feeling weak. It's doing things when I feel weak. So I would say to your son, your daughter, who is saying, man, I just can't go to school today. I can't do my work today. I can't do whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm feeling anxious. Well, because God is in you, you can get your fanny off the couch you can go do whatever you have to do today and it may not be as best if you weren't anxious but you getting it done at the end of the day means you win and so i you know for me i've i've just i don't i'm not going to let my anxiety disorder be a cop-out for not living my life and if people knew how many times that i have stood behind the stage to walk out for a message or to walk out for a funeral or a wedding or to sit in a session 
to, you know, pastoring someone that I can't catch my breath before I walk in the room. I mean, I'm like, God, you're going to have to give me something because I have, I mean, I am struggling. And people knew how many times just for that, those moments, God gave me the strength to do what he had called me to do. Uh, That's winning to me. To me, Mm. winning is, hey, guess what? You didn't get me today. Anxiety, panic. You didn't, you didn't win today. I won because in spite of that, in spite of me battling this disorder, I still functioned and lived up to my calling. Yeah, it's so interesting that we, I don't, again, there's people a lot smarter than you and me that I probably have terms for all this stuff, you know, and we're just two, two knuckleheads throwing stuff out there. But like the idea that in, the, in, a, in a season of convenience, a society of convenience that we, that's been talked about, that we, we do talk a lot about the elimination of difficult things yes, and, and, and how that's not necessarily, I, I mean, scripture is, you know, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley, you are the good shepherd, you're with me. And you're talking about God being with me in the hard things, enabling me to walk through the hard things. And, and it is, it's like, uh, you're right about the, the, well, just don't, don't be scared. Okay, well, that's easy. Thank you for that, you know, Captain Obvious. If I could just do that, I wouldn't have to tell you that I was afraid, you know. And so I think it, it is a bigger dialogue. And so I think, um, I think it's a huge topic too, because we, we do know my wife's a teacher. We know a lot of teachers and parents and they just don't, there are a lot of them are just lost. They don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And I think what's also important is the culture you create in your home. And I talk about this a lot because if you're not creating a culture to even have those conversations with your six-year-old or your seven-year-old or your 15-year-old, you can't just walk in and start having this conversation and expect them to respond, you know, and you also... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just amening you because part, so how do you create that culture? The culture is when your child says, I'm not sure I can do this, that my my answer as a parent ought to be, man, I understand. I've been there too. <laughs> yeah, I you can't, hard. you can't correct all the time. It just can't be correction, 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 correction. Otherwise they turn you off. You're a gong and it's, it's all lost and you're not creating a safe environment for them to ex- like express how they feel without them being afraid that they're gonna be told it's wrong or it needs to be adjusted or corrected or to just stop because i mean you you said yourself you can't just white knuckle yourself through a lot of this you know especially the mental the mental stuff because a we're all jacked up b we all have so much stuff i I joke around kind of it's kind of serious that tate's gonna need counseling for something because of me it's either gonna be because i yelled at him too much or i hugged him too much or it's gonna be something Mm -hmm. you know i just the the question is how big is that bill gonna be (laughs) exactly (laughs) so my son's a counselor (laughs) you know my son is a counselor because he needed it i'm sure yeah, is Beth still going to be around when Tate's thirty? You know, like right. um, she was a godsend for Alice and I. So, um, but and so, is it? What about a grandparents' role? You're, you know, Papa T. What what does that look like? How does that change? Because that's that's a huge dynamic that I'm sure we, you and I, could talk a lot about. But is it? Does that does that change how you approach that as a grandparent if you're observing some of this stuff? Yeah, and it that it's funny. We had this conversation, Mike and I did a couple of days ago, that you know, I'm in this unique position where I can just I'm sure your children aren't like this. My children 
like I could say something and they wouldn't listen and somebody else could say the same thing and they would listen. Right. And so <laughs> no, mine are not that way I, at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I listen very carefully to what Grant and Bailey say to their boys and what Ross and Michelle say to their girls. And I just find a way to reinforce that, but because I don't have to correct. Right. I, mm-hmm. I tell Ross all the time, he'll go, well, dad, I'm not sure they need that. And I will go, well, my job isn't to meet their needs. My job is to, give them what they want. You know, I, I, you're, you're in the need meeting business. I'm in the joy creating business. I don't have the pressure of correction. So I can sit back and just say like that conversation with Gideon that we had here instead of, I'm not frustrated because he has to go to bed and I've been chasing him all day. So I can say to him, man, I get that. I used to be scared of monsters. And then I found out Jesus lived in my heart. And I know if he rose from the grave. He, he sure has enough power over the monster. I have this great opportunity outside of correction, outside of shaping this child to just speak into his life. You know, we're building this garden back here, my house in Mississippi. The only reason I'm building it is because those boys want it. My, these two boys, four and six. And so, but you know what? It gives me a chance to go, Hey, Micah, you know what Jesus talked about more than anything else? He talked about gardening. You know what he said about this? And I can just say things. I can plant seeds and talk about these things because I don't have the pressure of raising those children. I'm, I'm like a consultant, really, to my kids and to those kids. I feel kind of like a, you know, Papa gets to just be Papa. And he 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 can, he can reinforce what mom and dad are saying. And he can speak, you know, something that, it might be hard for mom and dad to see because they're in what I call they're in the throes of battle, man. I mean, seven thirty at night with a four and six year old, you know, man, it's the witching hour, and we're just trying to get to eight o'clock. Let's let's don't just, kill anybody, no blood. Just dump them in the washing machine and put them in the yep. bed. <laughs> and I don't have to do that. I'm not beat down by that. So I have this, you know, I have this reward. I call it the grandpa's reward of where Papa just gets to love on them and say come on, Giddy, you can't be doing that. You, you know, that's not going to work. And he can look at me and go, yeah, you're right, Papa. And I see things in, you know, Bailey battles anxiety. And I, I, I tell her on a regular basis, hey, man, don't write your story <laughs> onto your kids. Don't mm. bring that challenge onto them. Let's 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 speak what can be over them, not, oh, I see what was coming to me and it's coming in them. So, you know, you're able to help them as well. Yeah. And we have to be careful with that for it not to be fear-based too. Cause then we mm-hmm. over, we overshoot that in the opposite direction. And like I even told um, Tate and I had this conversation where he's, he's a rule follower. He's black and white. And he, he, I mean, he sits like an old man. He reads like an old man. That's just, he's got spreadsheets and rubrics and, you know, he has since he was three. And so it's easy with him. I can be like, Hey, I need you to do this. And like the other, when we were, we just moved and we were moving, I was like three days in a row. I felt like I walked in his room and he's playing video games. And it's like, bro, I'm sweating. I'm tired. I'm aggravated. I'm old man in it at, you know, mad or whatever. And every time I walk in here, there's stuff to do, but you're sitting right there. And so the third day I walked in, and I snapped and my, you know, I snapped yep. at him and, and he kind of looked at me and that was into that. And later on, I was doing something. I was like, you know what? I think he'd only been sitting there for about two minutes. And I wonder if he did everything he was supposed to do. So I went back to him. I said, Hey, you know, when I got onto you earlier, 
did you just sit down? He's like, yeah, I just sat down. Did you, have you already done everything that you were supposed to do that day? He goes, yeah, I was done. And I told him, I said, bro, look, I said like, dad, dad's opinionated. Dad's talkative. Dad, you know, is high strung a little bit. And I said, if I'm wrong, you need to push back on me. Like mm-hmm. fight, fight with me, like, wrestle with me. Be like, dad, no, I just like, give me the other side of what's going on. If, especially if I'm wrong, don't allow me to steamroll you. And he said, he goes, well, that's hard. I said, why is that hard? He goes, because I've always just done what I was told to do. And I was like, man, I don't want to create a man that's just doing what he's told to do. You know, that's, that's not healthy either. So it's, you have to be acutely aware of what you're doing and, and how you're doing it and, and creating opportunities and spaces for the, the mental wellness conversation. But as it, so as a grandparent, you're saying, be aware, like be watchful and be aware. Is that kind of how you would word mm-hmm. that? Yeah. And, and use, use language, be very careful about the language that you're using that is speaking life and potential uh, over them, you know, not, Hey, Gideon, that's silly. There's no monster, but Hey, Gideon, Jesus is in you. There's a power in you. See, I, I, I want to be very intentional about the language that I use. Of course, all of my grandkids also, I have the, you know, the luxury of they are well-versed in the story of Toby the Gobi and all of those themes. And they, they bring it up all the time. And so I get to reinforce some of those things about, yeah, you can, it was hard today, but look at us, man. We got to, do, we did hard things because God was with us. And I'm just looking for a grid. You know, for me, I want to give parents a tools that are, give them a grid for a way for them. Like I, I'm, I'm always make this joke about we can do better in the church than fidget spinners and Play-Doh. But wouldn't it be great if a kid's using a fidget spinner? And as he's sitting there doing it because he's anxious or whatever, that he's saying, I can do all things because God's with me. I can, you know, uh, uh, I am an overcomer in Jesus. You know, whatever those, whatever that little, now I'm putting a tool in his hand that we're combining something that helps him cope with the truth that can transform his life. And so that's what we're trying to do. So as I read the book, I'm I'm going to, I've got a couple of questions. Okay. okay. Questions of the book. So as I'm, as I, I may, both of my kids have read it. Um, I told Tate to give me his thoughts on paper and he basically just rewrote the book on a piece of paper. Cause he's so black awesome. and white. <laughs> so, um, but uh, so I, okay, here's, here's what shocked me. I'm gonna tell you what shocked me about the book. What shocked me about the book was I get to the end and all the scripture references mm-hmm. because it be, and the reason it shocked me is being in the church world for so long. It's like, why aren't we at the forefront of leading this discussion? Right. And here's the other thing that, that kind of caught my attention and it's caught my attention on a couple of things that you've said, and I want your thoughts on it. So we get to the back of the book, right. And I see this, um, hold on. I got to find it. It's before the drawing. 65 is my guess. Yeah. Okay. So here's why this resonated with me. I did not cry reading the book, but couple things you've said and what resonated with me is what I am terrible at, where I struggle with my mental health is inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. So when we get to page 65, there's this basically it's a version of the I am's wrapped up into um, one small pair or a paragraph. And it's something it, as you speak it over yourself. Um, 
what is, is there a connection to inner dialogue and mental health that you see? Was that what was the thought process when you wrote this part of the book? And if there is a correlation between those two things of mental illness, mental health as an inner dialogue, um, I don't know, like, is that, is, I don't, I guess that's just what I'm asking. I don't know what I'm yes. asking. And the answer is yes. Yes. Okay. Our, our faith is verbal. Uh, Jesus didn't wave his hand and calm the sea. He said, peace be still. The only reason Jesus did miracles, Cody, was number one, he cared about people. And number two, he wanted to illustrate how the kingdom works. And in the kingdom that he ushered in, our faith is verbal. The things we say can create reality. And so I have this inner critic, this inner mm -hmm. that is saying, you can't, you know, you can't do hard things. You're always jacked up with this. You're always, you know, whatever. So my fight is not to not think that is to fight it with a verbal statement of what is, even if I don't feel it to be true. Yeah. Because people it, ask me all the time, well, I don't even know where to start with the 40 AMs. I say, take the one that you think is the hardest to believe and say it out loud. Well, that seems hypocritical. No, it's called faith. It's called speaking faith. And so the reason that is at the end of the book is two reasons. Number one, I want to give mamas and daddies something to speak over their kids. I've mm -hmm. watched families, gotten emails from families that have either photocopied or even tore that page out of the book, written their kid's name and put it on the wall. And every night before they go to bed, they declare this over their children. And uh, then I've had parents who have said the most moving part of the book is what you just said is I have been saying this over myself. And it's just, an, you know, a Reader's Digest condensed version of the 40 AMs that when I look in the mirror and out loud, not read, but out loud, speak something that is true, even if I'm not feeling it, I think you unleash, uh, appropriate, pick your word, a power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you to begin to connect what you know with what you feel. And God, God you, you know, I always say God takes up, takes a little more ground. It gets a little more ground in your heart. And that's how I fight that inner, I'll tell you, three days ago, what I do, I get up, I unzip my backpack, I pull up my cards and I start saying them out loud. And I think that verbalization, it, man, it moves, it does something in my spirit. God does something. And it, it caught, what caught me about it too was how difficult it was to say it out loud. Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, why is this? Why? It, okay. And so we're speakers. You and I can talk out loud and think at the same time. It's just a, you know, it's part of that. We can read, talk, and think all three different things at the same time. And so um, like, uh, so there was a part of it. I was like, oh, I can, I can say this out loud. And so I said it out loud, but then there was an element of like, okay, Am I saying it, reading it, and thinking it? And then am I believing it? You right. know, and it and it and that when I started to say, Am I believing this as I'm saying it and reading it out loud? That became the the threshold of like, yikes, you know, this is it's difficult because do I believe this? Do I believe, you know, the sun is always with me? Do I believe um that I will always stream up upstream and do hard things and like that I can do those hard things? And it's like. And that, that becomes a, 
not a litmus test because it's a test, but it's kind of something that needs to be where it becomes a part of my DNA that I believe in myself and that I'm walking and living out and not kind of a, a gate, you know, because I think as adults, here's the thing, here's the thing Cody, I love you, man. So I'm going to tell you the reason you got emotional is because deep down in your spirit, that's your battle to believe that to be true about you, to fully believe it to be true. And that's what the tension of that, the healthy tension of that, it takes your breath away. Yes. And, and now, you know, you are, you at its core, that's why it makes you so emotional. So sometimes it's gratitude, <laughs> but, but most of the time for guys like you and me, like I desperately want that to be true about me. Everything yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it until the tears change from. And this is moving me because I'm not sure I truly believe that's true to man. I am so grateful that this is true about me. Yeah, I went through. Um, I know we need to wrap up our time, but I went through like a year and a half ago, a little moment. You know, we have these little moments of like. I hate the term de deconstruction, reconstruction, because I don't mm -hmm. really know what all that means. But let's just say it's just a moment of like needing to be reaffirmed about a about a truth, a, you know, a, a spiritual truth, a biblical truth. And it was like this. This is how I worded it to my counselor was, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, but I kind of feel like I was just an afterthought. You know, we, we spend so much time going, yeah, Jesus died for you, like you as an individual, you'd spend so much time speaking it, that, but then to like own it that like, yeah, I mean, I know Jesus loves me down the cross for me, but it was it's like, he just kind of lumped me in, you know, like just lumped yeah. me into the pack. And, and, and so you're right. It is that, that tension of having it become a belief that you believe versus just something that you know to be true, I guess is how I would word it. Like, I know it to be true, but I don't know if I believe it. I, um, that's how I'd word that. Does that make any sense whatsoever? <laughs> Yeah. And, and welcome to being a human being. Right. I mean, it right. doesn't make you less of a Christian. It doesn't make you a spiritual. Like this is the battle for our souls. This is a battle for our hearts. And you will never. Until you take your last breath, not fight this battle at some level. And so. I want you to have. Something in your hand. That there are moments you'll be on the top of the mountain. And you're so grateful that you're a child of the king and you can do all things to God who strengthens you. And there are moments that for some reason, because you're sucking up oxygen and living in a world that depletes you, that is not your home, that this is going to be the battle. And so instead of I shouldn't feel this way, which is completely pointless and defeating. Yes. Is I do feel this way. So I'm going to say things that are hard for me to believe are true in my spirit right now until I begin to believe them again. That's the journey of life. Oh, it's so good. Well, thank you so much, Toby, for taking the time to talk with this crazy kid. And uh, I just love you. I love Micah. I love your family. Uh, appreciate them. And yes, you and Bailey's podcast is awesome. I love that it's 20 minutes because I, I can listen for only 20 minutes, but I can talk forever. So yeah. <laughs> hey, um, just thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts as we 
wrap this up? Well, I'd just say to you and to anybody who's listening, you're stronger than you think you are. You're more loved than you could ever even begin to imagine. God is so, so proud of you. And uh, you can do hard things because he's with you. But you're going to have to get your eyes on him and off of your challenge and your own insufficiencies. And the best way to do that is help somebody else along the way. Like, I'm a better guy today because hmm. I get to say these things to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, like the emotion in my my little spirit right now is because I love you so much, man. And I know that battle. I am familiar with that battle. Uh, I I spend time in that battle. But our battle isn't against flesh and blood, man. And uh, I'm glad we get to do it together. It's been an honor to be with you. Love you, buddy. Hey, I appreciate it, brother. We will talk again soon and tell Micah we said hi. I shall do it. All right, brother. Thanks again.